0: All right. Well, we're going to wrap up uh, this series today. Uh, the series Be Still, based upon the scripture that you just saw on the screen, Be Still and Know That I Am God. Uh, Pastor Jay did a great job last week in talking about Sabbath and rest. And, uh, and today I want us to uh, focus our attention on what happens when we do slow down. That, that when we have uh, the discipline and the intentionality to be still, to find time to be in the presence of the Lord, to uh, to put ourselves in a situation to where we can just be quiet. Uh, what happens is, is uh, we start to see people differently. We start to see things and we start to see opportunities that uh, we hadn't uh, seen before. And uh, when when our perspective changes, when we silence our vo- the voices around us, what happens is we begin to make a difference in someone's life. Uh, once a year, we uh, we say let's let's take a uh, let's talk about what God has created us to do, what He's created this church to do, and every uh, every year at this time of the year. Uh, we have what we call our Make a Difference Sunday. And we're tying our Make a Difference Sunday into the Be Still series because uh, when we are still, we have opportunities to make a difference. And I think that uh, God has all of us on a spiritual journey. Uh, The way that we say it here uh, in our connection class is uh, that, that really there's kind of these four steps that... Uh, that we enjoy helping you discover where you are in your spiritual journey. Uh, the first is that you just know God. And, and I don't mean just know him intellectually, like know about him, but that you actually have a relationship with him. That, that there's, there's a relationship with God that you are in his presence, that, that you know him. And when you do that, you have the power of the Holy Spirit in your life uh, that begins to uh, bring freedom from your past, freedom from your past hurts and your, your habits and your hangups, that, uh, that, that the Spirit of God is transformational. And when you have the Spirit of God, you begin to find freedom that you've never had before. And then what many Christians uh, come short in is discovering what their purpose is. Nine out of 10 Christians will go through their life never discovering their God-given purpose, Uh, And we at LifeHouse want to help you with that. We believe that God has wired you and created you in a unique way, uh, and we want to help you discover what that is and how you can use that to then, the fourth thing, make a difference. Uh, And so today's our Make a Difference Sunday, and I'm going to talk a little bit about this and then give you uh, some ways in which we get to make a difference in our world and in our city. Because the reality is, is when we lay our heads down at night, when we when we put our head on a, on the pillow, and we look back at our life, I want to know that we've done something of significance, something that matters in this life. Not just we weren't created to just have a job. We We're created to just uh, drive to soccer games. We were created to do things that that matter in this world to bring the message of Jesus to a to a hopeless world. And so, when we lay our heads down, I, I, I want us as a church to be able to to look at our life and to look at the uh, the day and be able to say, "I did something that matters." We are wired uh, to to experience gratitude. We are wired to. Uh, to have feelings of gratitude. And that when we're able to be a part of something bigger than ourselves, what, what often happens is our problems all of a sudden don't seem as big anymore. Mother Teresa says it like this. She says, a life that's not lived for others is not a life. It's no life at all. That when we don't find ways, if we don't find opportunities to live this life for other people, it's not really living. When we focus so much on ourselves and and we don't focus on others, it, it becomes a mundane, boring life. So we do this around the holidays, right? We go into the holiday season, and uh, we we believe that the holidays afford us an opportunity because. The reality is, is this season that we're coming into is supposed to be merry and bright, right? That's, that's, I think that's what the song says. So it's supposed to be merry and bright. It's supposed to be uh, joy to the world. And yet, statistically, more people take their life between Thanksgiving and Christmas than they do the 11 previous months in America. And so there's a lot of hopelessness in this season. There's a lot of pain that people are experiencing, and yet there 's a lot of opportunity for the church to be light in the midst of darkness, to bring hope to the hopeless. And so I want us to take a look today and see if there's ways in which we can make a difference, we can bring hope, we can bring life in this world that we live in. I want us to take a look at First Timothy chapter six. Uh, this is uh, a letter that's written to, uh, appropriately so, Timothy. Uh, Paul wrote many letters. He wrote letters to the churches. Uh, if you look at books like Ephesians, you'll, you'll find that is a letter that's written to uh, the city, to the church in the city of Ephesus. There's Corinthians, there's Colossians. But then Paul also wrote these letters to these guys he's discipling, these pastors that he's discipling, and he's giving them instruction on how, how, he, how the, the pastor is to lead the people. And so I thought it would be appropriate as a pastor to hear Paul's words in how to lead us as a church. And so I want us to take a look at chapter 6 of 1 Timothy. And it begins, As for the rich in the present age... Charge them not to be haughty. Don't, don't, don't be haughty, okay? Uh, because you are the rich in the present age. Don't, don't be arrogant. Don't be proud. Nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches. Don't set your hopes on money. Don't do it. It's uncertain. Because you, are, you have provision now does not mean that you will have provision later. We can never presume upon God's provision in our life that when we do that, when we think that we've got it all figured out and we think that, that, that we have the safety and the security of our job, I think we'll find out pretty quickly that it comes up hopeless. But instead, put your certainty on God. Put your certainty on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. He says to Timothy, he says, I want your people to to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and, and to be ready to share. Thus, storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. If we want to know what Christianity is about, if we want to know what true, what it means to live in this life, it says to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share. That's what we need to be about that's what Christianity is all about. And I know we know this, right? I mean, inherently we know that that's what, what it means to be a Christ follower is to be someone who is doing good, doing good works, doing good deeds, doing, uh, being generous towards people who are in need. And, and so I know that we know this, but this is a reminder to us. This reminds us in this season that it's easy for us to get busy with the season and not... Pause and be still. And it's easy for us to forget to do good deeds. Now, you might be thinking, well, you know, good works is that, that, we're not saved by good works, right? I can show you this passage of Scripture that says that we are saved by grace through faith, not of works so that no one can boast, but I think what happens is, as, as Christ followers, I think that becomes an excuse for us not to do good works. Right? We are saved by grace through faith so that we don't have to do good works. Paul's reminding us, he's reminding Timothy, and then in what we're about to look at is Titus, he, he, that, that good works is still a part of the Christian life. So Titus has this group of churches, he's got campuses on a place called Crete. And in chapter 1, he, it says, in 1 verse 16, it says, They profess to know God, but they deny him by their works. They're detestable, they're disobedient, they're unfit for any good work because they're not doing anything for other people. They profess to know them. They, they're saying the right things. But if you look at their actions, what you'll find is that they're actually not doing anything for other people. Titus 2.7 says, so show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works. And in your teaching, show integrity and dignity. In chapter three, remind them, again, to be ready for every good work. In verse eight, The saying is trustworthy, and I I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to what? To good works. These things are excellent, and they are profitable for people. And then he ends chapter 3 and verse 14. He says, and let our people learn to devote themselves to good works so as to help cases of urgent need and not be unfruitful. I don't know about you, but I don't want to get to the end of my life and look back and not see any fruit. To just see this unfruitful life that uh, really, you know, I had a job, I did this, I did that, but but that there was something missing that I could have done some good deeds. I could have done some good work, some things to make a difference in someone's life, and I I didn't. So today is really just the simplest message that you've ever heard. It's, uh, it's three questions and three answers. If you got questions, I got answers, as long as they're these questions. <laughs> the first question is, why? Why should I do good? I mean, immediately our mind begins to think, well, well we need to do good because people need it, right? They, they, need, they, they need people to do good to them, Uh, Our initial response may be, "Well, because God asked us to, and so we should walk in obedience." And I'm an obedience guy. I I actually believe that there are things that we are instructed to do in our in our walk with Christ in this as we follow Him, and we do those things out of obedience. But to be honest with you, I don't really want us to be a church that does good works out of obedience, out of guilt. Out of, out of shame, out of feeling like, well, I have to do it, but, but rather that we get to do it. See, I think there's something that I, I don't have any sort of medical background um, other than I've been to the hospital a lot to visit people and stuff, but I, I don't think that makes me a doctor. Um, but I do think that God has created us as unique human beings that when we do good, when we serve someone when we help when we are generous towards others when we do those things there's something in us in our in our soul in our uh, in the spiritual realm and in, in the chemical realm that it feels good to do it i've never helped somebody out and thought that that was awful I will never do that again. Like, it just doesn't happen. But I miss opportunities to help people. And that feels awful. So why, why should I do good? Well, I think it's because the answer to that question is because doing good is God's destiny for us. It's our destiny. It's your destiny may be on your row right now. Right? The row that you're sitting in. Maybe the the people that are around you and your family and friends. Your destiny may be at the restaurant you're gonna go eat at after church today. You may have this this divine moment, this divine destiny to do good works, to be a, a good deed doer. The truth is, is that you can leave here today as called into the ministry as I stand here on this platform today, as I am. When you leave this place, you are called into the ministry. I can prove it to you, Ephesians 2.10 says, we are his workmanship, that God created you on purpose, and he created you uniquely for a plan that he prepared beforehand, before you were even born. And I don't care what your parents have said. I don't care what your friends have said or your spouse has said. You were created on purpose. And God has a plan for your life. And you were created in him for good works and that we should walk in them. Mother Teresa also says this. She says, we are the hands and the feet of Jesus. And our prayer ought to be, Lord, what do you want me to do with my hands? Where do you want my feet to walk? You've created me to do good things, to do good works. And so lead me in that. 1 Corinthians reminds us that we are his workers. How many of you uh, just love the store HEB? Right? I mean, as a Texas transplant, H uh, E B is po- quite possibly one of the greatest things in the world. <laughs> but I need I need, I need to. Um, it's a little uncomfortable because she wasn't in first service, but she's in second service, and and so um, I need to I need to tell on Heather Bean a, a little bit. So so <laughs> Pastor Jay's wife Heather is here, and I'll just point her out so you guys can shame her later, but. So they've been here now seven weeks. I think it took you six weeks to walk into an H-E-B. See? It's, to, to be honest, Heather, it's really disrespectful to us <laughs> as Texans that you would not enjoy or love H-E-B as much as we do. What I love about H-E-B is... <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, Kind of, not, I'm mostly sorry. What I love about HEB is they have like these kitchen stations where there's people cooking up food to give to you at the, at the grocery store. And so we'll be, I'll be with my wife and we'll be, you know, walking around the grocery store and we'll come up to one of these places where there's a chef and he's making food and he's giving it out. And I'll be like, this, this is going to be my life group. You go finish this shopping. I'm going to minister To this person for a while. (laughs) Some pita chips and onion dip and the thing is, is what they're doing is they're they're giving you a a what? A a sample. They're giving you a, a sample for you to taste of their product that they're selling and they're hoping that you'll buy. There's a passage of scripture that says, taste and see the Lord is good. I have just commissioned all of you to be sample givers. Our job is not in finance, our job isn't in ministry, our job isn't our job is to to give samples of Jesus to this world. And hopefully when we give them a sample of Jesus, they will taste and see that the Lord is good and they will want to buy it. Not literally buy it, but buy into who he is and the grace and the forgiveness that he gives. Taste and see that the Lord is good. We give them a taste of the love of God. The second question is where? Where should I do good? Because some thinking is that we should only do good in good places. We should only do good in the church. And maybe some of you even think that the message is going here that this is just a ploy to get more people to serve on our dream teams and and to uh, the, the, the way that you can make a difference is serving on our dream team. And I would say, well, if you're not a part of a dream team, you should be. You should come to Connection next week, learn about our options and Come and serving, because it's good to serve each other. It's good to do good towards one another. But I think it's time for us to take our dream team into the 90% of our life and to actually take the church outside of these doors and begin to do good wherever we are. So the answer is, is where, where do I do good? Where do I do good works? Where you are. Where, where are you going today? Do good works. Where do you go to work tomorrow? Do good works. Where do you live? Do good works. Wherever you are, we have this opportunity to bring samples of Jesus to people. I'll give you an example of this in Acts chapter three. Peter and John, uh, they were going up to the church They were going to church. They were going to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, it's 3 p.m. in the afternoon. And it says that they allowed their life to be interrupted. And the busyness of their life and the craziness of, of, of making sure that they, I mean, they were doing a good thing. They were going to pray. And on the way to prayer, their life got interrupted. And a man who was lame from birth was being carried whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple. So this isn't the first time that they've seen him, but this is the first time that they saw him. At the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate to ask alms, to ask for money of those entering the temple. But Peter said, I I don't have any silver and gold, but what I do have, I want to give to you. I just want to give you a sample of, of the God that I serve. And he says, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he takes him by the right hand and he raised him up and immediately his feet and his ankles were made strong. He said, here, let me, I don't have any money, but let me give you a sample of the God that I serve. The God that heals the hurting. The one who brings Wholeness to those who are broken. Let let me me just tell you about Jesus. Let let me show you the God that I serve. See, we're trying to get us tuned into this during this time because there are people who are hurting and are broken and are hopeless. Hopeless. We're getting tuned into this because this is why we exist. This is why we live. Our destiny is doing good in Jesus' name. I love getting recalibrated and retuned into this during this time. Albert Schweitzer says it like this. He says, keep your eyes open for the little tasks because it's the little kind tasks. Tasks that are important to Jesus. See, going through life so fast, we miss it. We miss the little things. Peter and John walked by him many, many, many times. I don't know what was different in this situation, but something changed. They stopped long enough to give him a sample of Jesus. Chris Hodges says this, he says, hurry is the enemy of love. This last week, Bob Goff, the author, tweeted something that I didn't like. He said, when I say I don't have time, what I really mean is I lack compassion. People own watches, love owns time. Unfollow. (laughs) I don't need that guilt in my life. But he's absolutely right. How many of we said, I'm so busy? How's it going? I'm busy. I don't have time for that. What I really mean is I lack compassion. If you're ever flying in an airplane and... And you're at cruising altitude, whatever that is in your situation. And you look out the window and you're flying across Texas. It's a big state. There's not a lot out west of San Antonio. And you'll be flying for a while and there won't be anything out there. And then all of a sudden you'll come along a town. Just a little town or little city out in the middle of nowhere. And you know it's a city because you can see the buildings. But you can't see the people. Right. I mean, if you look really hard, you can't see him. Maybe you could see a car moving, but probably not. And the reason is because you're just too far away. You're going too fast. I wonder what would happen if we were to be still. How many more people we would see laying right there, waiting to receive a sample of Jesus. The third question is How? How should I do good? Well, I'm going to give you some ways in which you can do good, but at the end of the day, you have to do good works however the Spirit leads you. Romans 8.14 says, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. You are led by the Holy Spirit. And you can hear the prompting of the, the Lord to do something good in someone's life. You could be sitting in line at the drive through of Chick-fil-A, not today, but other days. <laughs> and you could look in the rear view mirror and you could see the person behind you and you could just for a moment think about what their life is, what they're going through, what they're dealing with. You could for a moment be led by the Spirit to say, God, how could I make a difference in that person's life? I mean, you could buy him some Chick-fil-A and that would probably be pretty amazing. But it might just be that you have an opportunity to speak and give samples of Jesus to people in your everyday life. So this is our Make a Difference Sunday. The way that we do this is we present to you two ways in which you can make a difference. And we hope that you will be inspired to participate in this. But what we do is we present the options to you today, and then in two weeks, on the 8th of December, we'll receive an offering for this. Now, I've had people say, well, you shouldn't do that, because when you show them and present them the options, people are compelled to give. I don't want us to give out of compulsion, I don't want us to give out of guilt. I want us to be led by the Spirit of God. And so we present it now, and you're going to see a couple videos, a couple uh, of uh, options to give towards, and you're going to be like, I want to give to that. And I would say, just wait. Go home and pray. And ask the Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do? Because here's the thing, here's what I know, is God is more generous than our guilt. So when you go home and you pray, God, what do you want me to do in this situation? How do you want me to participate to make a difference? He's gonna tell you to do more than you would do right now. And that's why we do it. Because we think we can make a difference in in these two situations, uh, in our city, locally, and then in our world. So the first one is uh, we are partnering with S.A. Heals. They're one of our partnership ministries. Last year we partnered with Lavish and we gave towards that. This year uh, we're shifting to S.A. Heals and their program that's called Affordable Christmas. Uh, Charles Fultz is the director of that and he's, uh, we've put a video of him sharing what is Affordable Christmas and how can we be a part of that.
1: Church. My name is Charles Folds. I'm the director of SA Heels. SA Heels is a small nonprofit on the east side of San Antonio and we are so grateful for the partnership that we've had with Lifehouse Church over the past six years. Through your love and support we've been able to help countless kids learn how to read or mentor them through the various programs that we offer and it really is producing a change as we try to break the cycle of poverty in our city. We're so grateful for the love and support but today I have another opportunity for you to help this community. And that revolves around affordable Christmas. Now, Affordable Christmas is this event that we've put on over the past seven years, and you know, so often when we we come to Christmas and we want to help, and and there's these ways that we we try to give these gifts and do these things for these people, and and although they're great things, sometimes they're not getting the great results like we're hoping they will, and so what we've done is we've sort of learned over the past seven years what, what shows people the most love and gives them the best gift over this Christmas season, and that's this, again, this idea of Affordable Christmas, and so just so you know, Affordable Christmas is this experience that people get to participate in on the east side where they come and we put together a toy store for them this toy store is filled with gifts ranging from earbuds to perfumes to the favorite gift for the baby in the family and families are able to come shop and purchase these gifts now although that might seem counterintuitive it's actually the thing that they've been wanting and needing the most they're able to come Purchase that perfect gift for their kids, that that one that's going to bring joy to their eyes and joy to their heart, as it's also often better to give than to receive. And so, what we're able to do though is make it affordable, right? A $40 gift is only going to cost these families $4. And so, not only are they getting a great deal, they're getting this opportunity to have the perfect gift for their kid. But also, it preserves dignity, right? As opposed to getting and receiving gifts that were just given to them, although they're grateful, sometimes it's embarrassing and we don't give them the dignity of, of being able to provide and purchase that perfect gift for their kids, which is what any parent ultimately wants to do. So by you helping us to stock this toy store with the perfect gifts and the perfect toys, you're actually giving the best gift that you could to any family on the east side, and that is to give them joy, but to also give them dignity. And it's just about that, right? It's about giving that gift of joy this season that we have so much, that we have so much to give, and let's give it in love to these kids on the east side of San Antonio. And from Jen and I, we are so grateful again for Lifehouse Church, for Pastor Ryan, and all the people that have been part of this journey to love and support us to this point. Thank you so much.
0: Have a Merry Christmas. All right, so that's, uh, that's option one, and uh, that, that impacts our city, our community here. Uh, you should have received a card that looks like this uh, that has both uh, SA heels on it and it has the Columbia Eye Clinics. We've supported the Columbia Eye Clinic in the past, uh, but never this way. Uh, this is the uh, culmination of years of relationship with Juan Allen and a lot of work that's gone into uh, by Pastor Jeremy uh, when he was here to build the relationship between Compassion International and the local church in Colombia. And so many of you sponsor, I think we have close to 90 kids that are sponsored from our church that uh, are in this community. And, uh, and I've been working with the Juan Allen, uh, or our church has been supporting Juan Allen in Uh, his medical side of things, and now he's bringing the eye clinic back to the place, uh, er, not back to, but he's bringing it to the place for the first time where we have all of our kids sponsored. And so many of the children that you sponsor, many of their grandparents uh, could be getting cataract surgery, could be getting uh, a glass eye or Uh, kids, you may have, uh, some of your kids may have cross eyes. They'll get those straightened out. And and so we have this opportunity to partner with, uh, MMI. Uh, it's MMI Canada that's putting together the, um, the eye clinic, the vision clinic. We have 10 people from our church going in January. Uh, when we receive the funds for this, it's not to help our people go to the trip. It's for this. It's, uh, when, they too, also, or they also uh, invite people to pay whatever they can for the surgery because it brings dignity. Uh, Juan Allen has told me stories about uh, little ladies bringing him chickens uh, because that's what they had, and and I'm like, well, what did you do? He's like, I ate it. <laughs> I'm like, okay, um, so. Uh, I want you to see this video. This is an old video, but it's of an eye clinic that took place. I just want you to kind of get a picture. Many of you have seen this video before. It's going to stop short because, it, because it's old, there's some old information at the tail end of it. Uh, but I wanted you to just get a picture of, of the sample of love that's given uh, through the eye clinic. Take a look at this. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Las gracias a ustedes. Me siento bien, hermano. Bien. Hombre, para mí, para mí sería una alegría salir aquí viendo Clarito. I'm Barbara Skinner and I have the privilege of serving as Acting Executive Director of Medical Ministry International Canada. We are here to uphold
1: the principles and to also work alongside the local medical community and add capacity and serve those patients that may not have the opportunity to have cataract surgery and have life-saving changes in their life. My name is Roger Barth. I uh, am an ophthalmologist from Kalispell, Montana. I wanted to come down here to Cienega to uh, mainly to help people. Uh, I, it's been a rewarding experience. This is my fifth trip to Columbia and I've uh, been part of this group that comes down here in January each year. It's been a wonderful experience. My wife is with me. I've had uh, kids come in the past, but just a great chance to venture out of the United States, a little bit out of my comfort zone, that the people are wonderful, both that we work with and the people that we help.
0: My name is Yolanda. I am a nurse from British Columbia, Canada. Uh, Back home,
1: I'm a nurse for maternity and pediatrics. That's the area that I work in. But
0: here in Columbia, I come to help with MMI to uh, serve people, to help them with their eye surgery and eye care and eye
1: glasses. It is a beautiful experience to be here in Colombia with the people in Colombia and working as a team.
0: We're uh, Doug and Lois Swigertie from Santa Fe, and I'm one of the pastors of the church there, Christ Church Presbyterian. Yes, I'm Lois Swigerty. I'm a music teacher, and my job is just to smile at people, make them feel welcome, and
1: uh, it makes their faces light up, and I love doing that.
0: And we are enjoying, we're, we've been here now for three days, and, and just enjoying the privilege of being able to help Uh, people who otherwise would not be able to get eye care uh, who come to the clinic and we just do our little part to help them get what they need here and it's been a real blessing. I don't know if you saw the big gathering area there. Uh, the churches that uh, we partner with uh, in Siena de Oro, they're going to be heading up the ministry side of the eye clinic. And so all these people gather and they sit in a in awaiting a holding uh, pattern, basically a holding space. And it's during that time uh, that they get to talk about their spiritual eyes. They get to talk about uh, their soul. And, uh, and they share Christ. They bring the gospel to thousands and thousands of people. Uh, they get their uh, physical eyes fixed, and they get their spiritual eyes fixed. And it is one of the most amazing things. And so we're going to partner up with them. We're going to uh, purchase uh, some of these surgeries. Uh, and, uh, and here's the thing is... Let me say this first. Uh, after today, we'll be having uh, some cards at the Welcome Center, uh, little like gift cards uh, that will say a that will give you the opportunity to say a donation was made uh, to the Columbia Eye Clinic or a donation was made to SA Heels on your behalf. If you want to give those away uh, as gifts, um, many businesses do that. Uh, my family does this. This is. Uh, become a kind of tradition in our home to do that. And, uh, and so it takes kind of all of the surprise out of it. It's like, huh, I wonder what's going to be this year. And, uh, and it's whatever the make a difference offering is. Uh, and so it's just, it's a neat way to be able to do that. Here's the last thing that I'll say is this is not the only way to make a difference. Y- you can walk out those doors today and go into a restaurant and make a difference in someone's life. When your, when your server comes to your table, you could just say, hey, you know what? We're, gonna get, we're getting ready to pray. And uh, is there anything I can be praying for you about? Is there anything, anything we can just agree right here as so we're praying for you? And they may say no, and that's okay. But well, you'd be surprised how many times they say yes. And, and by the way, uh, leave a good tip after that. Don't, don't give a sample of Jesus and then rob them of their tip. Don't, don't be like, you know, Timothy, Paul telling Timothy, don't do that. Don't, don't, don't do it. You, you can go show up at work tomorrow into your break room and put a bunch of Krispy Kreme out in the break room, and when people are like, why would you do that? He's like, I just want to give you a sample of God's love and make you fat. Like <laughs> both of those things today. Uh, There are hundreds and thousands of random acts of kindness that can can be good works where you're just doling out samples of love to this world. I heard a story of someone who had their six dollar meal paid for them. It was going to be their last meal. They were going to go home and take their life. And they were given uh, just a small little card that said, I love you. And it was paid for with their meal. And ultimately, that person ended up into a church, not taking their life, giving their life to Jesus and finding the hope of the world. That's what just a sample of God's love can do. There may be opportunities where you see someone who's sick and you pray for them and you get to experience a miracle, a healing, as Peter and John did. But maybe it's just paying for a meal. Maybe it's just saying, hey, I care about you. It might just be when you have that thought about someone pulling out your phone and sending them a a text and saying, hey, I was just thinking about you today. I just want you to know I prayed for you today. You never know what difference you can make with the sample of Jesus. Let's pray.